The Leach Report Radio Network is on the air across Kentucky with the voice of the Wildcats, Tom Leach. This is your chance to get the latest news and views on your cats. The show is served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. And you can interact with Tom by tweeting at Leach Report or by emailing leachreport at gmail.com. And you can call the drinksword.com hotline, 877-904-1080. Now, here's Tom Leach. Welcome in to our Thursday edition of the Leach Report, coming to you from the Clark's Pump and Shop studio. Return, refresh, and refuel at Clark's Pump and Shop. Coming up today, Mike Pratt will join us. Uh, we'll talk with Justin Rowland from Cats Illustrated. And then Van Hiles, the former Wildcat and NFL player, will uh, check in with his breakdown of the Kentucky-Georgia matchup on Saturday afternoon. And we'll also get a little preview of uh, a big day coming up at Keeneland here in just a couple of minutes. So let's jump right into the Wildcat news of the day. It is presented by Giuseppe's of Lexington. And yesterday, uh, Brad White and the defense uh, talked about the matchup with Georgia, uh, a couple of Kentucky guys, Yusuf Corker, Quandre Mosley, were among the players that spoke to the media. They're both from Georgia, and they uh, talked about what it meant to them. And Corker said that you know, they always talk about getting to Atlanta, getting to Atlanta for that SEC championship game. Well, now the opportunity is right there for them. Uh, if they could somehow upset Georgia, Kentucky would be in the driver's seat for the East with uh, three conference games left in which they would likely be favored in all of them. Um, the neat story, it's Saturday down south, and we have this linked on the Bud Light Leach Report page at TomLeachKY.com uh, about how uh, Liam Cohen and uh, Wandell Robinson's uh, relationship here at Kentucky evolved. And it talks about uh, Cohen's first meeting with Coach Stoops. And Cohen had this big presentation to make for uh, getting the offensive coordinator job. And Stoops stopped him early on. He was already impressed enough. He knew that was his guy. And then uh, Cohen talked about watching the tape of Wondell Robinson and how he reminded him of Cooper Cup, who is the wide receiver with the Rams, where Cohen previously worked, of course. And... Robinson reached out to Cooper Cup, and in this story, it said Cup was like, dude, you're going to love it. You're going to get the catches. You're going to get the targets. I promise you, you're going to get the ball with Cohen. So Robinson said, I was sold. That I was like, that sold me. I'm good. Uh, and the rest is, is history. As Wondell leads the SEC in receiving yards. He's been the big play guy for Kentucky, the perfect complement to the pounding punishing runs of Chris Rodriguez Jr. So, um, and uh, Robinson talks about, I'm actually running routes. I'm running NFL concepts. It's, it's not ju- I'm not just there in the slot. I'm playing the outside position, moving around in a lot of different places. That's what I'm used to doing. That's what I was excited about. And that there, ladies and gentlemen, is a recruiting pitch for wide receivers to come and play at the University of Kentucky. And I'm sure it will be uh, portrayed as such as they move forward uh, trying to land more Wandale Robinson types and especially uh, some guys that uh, are, uh, you know, the bigger, taller wide receivers like LSU had last weekend that made a couple of big catches against Kentucky. 
couple of basketball notes real quickly. 24-7 Sports says that uh, Shaden Sharp's considering enrolling for the second semester, but likely would not play. He'd just practice, as Hamadou Diallo did a few years ago. Now, there obviously is the risk there that uh, he could then uh, go off to the uh, NBA before he ever played a game for you, as Hami nearly did. Uh, Reed Shepard reportedly going to attend uh, Big Blue Madness and 24-7 Sports just this week elevated him to five-star status. Let's go to uh, the phones and bring on Kara Heisbuttle from out at Keeneland to uh, talk about uh, a big day at Keeneland and a really special day, Make-A-Wish Day. Right, Kara? Yes, so today is Make-A-Wish Day at Keeneland where 10 Wish kids and their families get to come out and have a VIP day at the races and have their wishes granted by local thoroughbred industry partners. The stories are always so touching and, and inspiring, and uh, I think that the people that support this and work with it uh, get uh, as much out of it as the kids do. Oh, Tom, it's such an incredible day. I mean, you see the wishes that these kids are asking for. Um, Gwen wishes to write to illustrate her own children's book. You know, there's just things that, that you take for granted in your daily life, and it's a it's a good reminder of how blessed we are, and we are just so fortunate to be able to host these families today. Uh, that'll be played out today at Keeneland. There'll be presentations after each race in the winter circle. So if you're watching, if you're not out at the track, if you are, pay attention to the in-house TV after the races. And if you're uh, watching on the TV coverage, hang around after the race is over to watch those presentations in the winter circle. Uh, Kara, what else is coming up this weekend at Keeneland? So tomorrow is College Scholarship Day, which is always a fun day at the track. Um, new this year, college students well, college students will get free admission here at Keeneland. They don't have to be present to participate and register to win scholarships, but we will be giving away $40,000 in scholarships and other prizes. Um, we have a great partner with Lanes in this year, so we have two scholarships worth $10,000 each. So students come out, parents, text your students, send them out to Keeneland. It's going to be a great day for racing. I remember a few years ago there was a young man who uh, had uh, told someone with Keeneland that he um, had uh, he won one of the scholarships that he was trying to figure out how he was going to tell his dad because he was told his, he told his dad he couldn't come home for the weekend because he needed to study. And <laughs> <laughs> so the Part good news the is, the yeah, he was out of Keeneland, won a scholarship. The bad news was he wasn't studying. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, I know the meet's off to a great start. Uh, weather's been fantastic. Um, so um, I know you guys are excited about how it's going. We are. And I just want to remind everybody that the Hill is open this year. So on Fridays and Saturdays, the Hill is open. No tickets required. And this Saturday, especially, we'll be showing the football game and a split screen there on the Hill. And so we encourage fans to come out. They're like I said, the jumbo screen TV, there's wagering, food trucks, live music from the borough. It's going to be a really fun day out there. Look for that uh, on Saturday. There'll be a lot of people taking advantage of that. Thank you, Kara. Thank you. And if you're uh, heading out to Keeneland on Saturday, take your radio and uh, tune us in on the UK Radio Network. Keep up with the Kentucky-Georgia game that way as you uh, watch the races. We're going to head to a break. Come back. Mike Pratt will join us here on the Leach Report. Giuseppe's of Lexington presenting our Wildcat News of the Day. Go to Giuseppe'sLexington.com. You can get gift cards for the holidays, and they'll send them out for you. You can also go there to make your reservations and place your orders for their new drive-up window. We're heading out to uh, Giuseppe's tonight, actually. Great place to go after the races or before or after a UK game. Giuseppe's of Lexington. We'll be right back. Local... 
This is the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. You can follow Tom on Twitter. It's at Tom Leach KY. Seventeen past the top of the hours. We welcome Mike Pratt into the program. It's at Mike Pratt twenty two on Twitter, and he joins us courtesy of Boone's Butcher Shop in Bardstown. Mike, this is a fun week to be a Wildcat fan. Leading up to uh, a big game, I was joking with somebody out at uh, Keeneland yesterday that uh, it's a shame they have to play the game because it's uh, so much fun for Kentucky fans to to be in this moment and to. You know, game out all the scenarios of how Kentucky can win it. Uh, but the good thing is, I think the players believe they can win it. Well, that's the most important thing. You gotta, you gotta truly believe in your heart when you go out there that you can get the game, and you have to have a desire, a chip on your shoulder to prove all the naysayers wrong, and, and you can pull an upset. I mean, it's it's all about the players. They they've been trained uh, mentally and physically. They know what to do. Now, now they've got to figure out uh, how they can put it in action. And if they got enough heart and it works out, they'll pull an upset. And if they don't, then uh, Georgia will win. I mean, it's, it always gets down to the Freddies and the Frannies, man. It's, it always <laughs> gets down to You know, in your playing days here at Kentucky, you guys were, were not uh, underdogs. Uh, but when you were coaching down at Charlotte, you guys were maybe – I don't know, similar in a similar position to Kentucky in that you're trying to, to rise up against more bigger names, established powers, whatever. You had guys that you knew that could play and had to get them to believe that they could beat the best, and they got to a Final Four. Yeah, yeah. We were uh, gigantic underdogs and turned out to be Cinderella in the NCAA. So, yeah, we. Uh, but the, the, the kids we had, it gets back in – to, to the players you got, they they had a chip on their shoulder. They had something they wanted to prove, and it meant an awful lot to them. And they were willing to make the sacrifices and, and pull an upset. And as we went along that year, going to the Final Four, we beat some people that uh, they didn't think people didn't think we could win. And when you do that, boy, your confidence even increases more. If you, as a player, were looking for an upset and you pulled one, then from that point on, you got to be thinking, I can do this again. You guys uh, in 76 made it to the finals of the NIT against Kentucky and then came back yep. the next year and went to the Final Four. Uh, so a lot, some of these Kentucky guys were in this kind of a game with Georgia three years ago. How helpful is that in being back in this kind of stage again? Well, I think it can be. It's up to how the coaches present it. Uh, if they present it and try to put, uh, you know, a positive spin on it for the for the players or put a chip on their shoulders, and you know, I I think that Tom uh, many times players they've got to have um, a chip on their shoulder about something. I don't care what it is, but something in the sport they're playing that has happened has got to put a chip on their shoulders. Whether it's you win a championship and they say you cannot repeat, okay, you said I can't repeat, I'm going to prove you wrong. Or if you're starting at the bottom and you were not recruited and you feel like you were left out, looked over, then you got that chip. So, I mean, I do think there's got to be a motivational chip on your shoulder no matter what. Yeah, it's uh, interesting you say that because, you know, coaches will always say, oh, you know, there's, you know, that's, that's just talk or, you know, once the game starts, none of that matters. But you see so many 
great athletes and you know we saw it with you know randall cobb here but you see it with current guys too that you know they they look for those ways to to motivate themselves uh, to i guess try to gain gain a little bit of an edge or something yeah i think that we're in a time in uh, this world where there's a lot of coach speak because coaches don't want to give out bulletin board material or offend anybody but you know what they say and do in practice is different. I mean, it's always been that way. And uh, I know you used to tell your players, don't don't believe everything you read and don't take anything to heart that you read that, that's negative that you think is negative about me. And you just had to get them off that train and get them on to thinking what counts is what you say in practice, what you do in practice. And if you can overcome that with, uh, with players, I, I think you've got to uh, – uh, a great uh, chance to do uh, wonderful things. You been up uh, to see basketball yet? No, I, I was. Uh, I, I'm thinking about driving up this afternoon after it's got a doctor's appointment. I don't know how long it's going to last. Uh, if I don't get up uh, today, I'll certainly get up next week uh, at least once. So, no, I haven't heard good things. So, talking to people up there, I, I heard good things. They're pretty excited. Uh, such as uh, as much as you can share. Well, no, I, like Sweetway, they, they're all talking about how he's developed that 15-footer. He was a block-to-block guy, and now he's expanded his range. And uh, they really they really like the shooting, and the combination at guard has uh, been effective. I, I think uh, Calipari's been toying with some different combinations, which I think, this is my thought, I think you'll see him go up the floor a lot because he can bring, you know, he can play four guards easy and play them in certain situations and press and say, look, guys, just go out there, give me all you got, and I got somebody over here that I can replace you with. And speed the game up and maybe turn the team over. If you can do that consistently, you're going to get a lot of W's. Well, we'll have uh, our first broadcast a week from tomorrow night for the Blue-White game, so it's almost here. I'm looking forward to it, Tom. As am I. Thank you, Mike. See you, buddy. Mike Pratt, at Mike Pratt 22 on Twitter. He joins us Thursdays here on the Leach Report, 23 past the top of the hour. And we're going to head to a break and come back with Justin Rowland from Cats Illustrated. It's Kentucky Georgia Week here on the Leach Report. We're served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. You can go to wildeggs.com to place your order online or to get on the wait list for an award-winning breakfast, brunch, or lunch. Try those house-made cinnamon rolls or uh, the waffles that uh, we had last Monday. We're out there for the Monday Morning Quarterback Show. We'll be right back. It's the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. Coming up next, it's Kentucky Sports Radio with Matt Jones. Back into our Thursday edition of the Leach Report, and we welcome in Justin Rowland from Cats Illustrated uh, Justin, you guys get a lot of access to analytics through uh, partnership with Pro Football Focus, and uh, you talk to folks on the Georgia side leading up to this game. As you've looked at this, what are the areas of biggest concern for Kentucky, and is there any area where they might be able to exploit something on the dogs? I mean, just the big picture concern is I think this team could be in a class with LSU 2019 or Alabama last year. I mean, that I think – the fact that the defense is probably even better than anybody thought it was going to be. I mean, it's statistically as good as any defense you're ever going to see, you know, to this point in the season ever. 
Uh, but the offense, even with Stetson Bennett at quarterback, is just humming right along. I mean, they're just playing at a much higher level than any other team. And I broke down all the, the typical traditional paths to an upset that, that you think about. And um, you know, they can't turn it over. They're fortunate that's stabilized lately. I think they can create more explosive plays. And I think it's possible that Levis, if he plays like he did against LSU, could be an advantage over Stetson Bennett, who was no touchdowns and two picks against Kentucky last year. Yeah, I was thinking about that yesterday, that if Levis builds on what he did last week, which was, I think, his best game, then, you know, Kentucky, you might be able to make the case Kentucky has the better quarterback, the best running back, and the best receiver on the field. It's, that's, a, that's possible. Yeah, that's possible. Um, you know, but when you give Kentucky an advantage at running back, we're still talking about Zamir White and some of the best players in the conference. You know? Oh, sure. So it's not like Georgia's weak anywhere. It's and not like it's a big edge. <laughs> yeah, it's not a big edge. But, you know, if you look at those PFF pro football focus numbers, you know, Georgia's just lights out across the board. I think Kentucky's offensive line stacks up fairly well. Um, but, you know, I, I will say Kentucky shouldn't be taken lightly in this game. You know, I looked at Georgia's first quarter scoring. Their average first quarter score was like 16-1. to 1. So teams aren't getting out of the first quarter against them. But Kentucky is also a good first quarter team. And, you know, this is also the team that was 4-0 in spite of being negative 9 in turnovers. So um, I saw South Carolina go into Athens a few years ago, and Georgia threw three picks. And South Carolina shocked them and won, had no business winning. And they haven't proven... Unlike Alabama, they haven't proven that they're not above stubbing their toe somewhere in a game that they shouldn't lose. So I think there is reason for hope. Georgia's defensive front in particular is just outstanding. And from what I've read, the the uh, what Kirby Smart has kind of evolved into with this group is those guys are so good that they don't have to blitz a lot and uh, they don't have to give them a, a lot of help. And so it's just you know the, the talent of those guys and maybe some stunting that they can do up front. If you're Kentucky, at least you like the fact that one of your strongest units is a match. You hope a good matchup for Georgia's strongest unit. Yeah, yeah. They're, and Kentucky's offensive line is playing at an extremely high level right now. I mean, 260 rushing yards per game in SEC play, and I think uh, the protection ha- has been better recently as well. And they've been used to seeing some really fast, athletic players against. Florida and LSU the past couple of weeks, so good preparation in a sense, but this is a totally different challenge. And, you know, I think some people have pointed out they don't have, Georgia doesn't have many tackles for loss this year. Well, they, they can stop the run with like five guys in the box, you know. They're, they're just not bringing a lot of pressure. They, they average 6.17 man, man, men in the box per play, which is one of the lowest numbers you're going to find. They're just very, very difficult to move the ball on. It's Justin Rowland from Cats Illustrated joining us here on the Leach Report. We'll continue the discussion here in just a moment. You're tuned to Talk Radio 1080 and the Leach Report. And visit TomLeachKY.com for more news and views on the Cats. We're back with Justin Rowland. Here in the Clark's Pump and Shop studio for the Leach Report on a Thursday, you can read Justin's work and his teams at catsillustrated.com. On Twitter, it is at Roland Rivals. I was reading a piece earlier that I talked about from Saturday Down South about uh, Wondell Robinson and uh, Liam Cohen and how their relationships evolved. And when Cohen got the job, 
you know, Robinson uh, reached out to Cooper Cup with the Rams and got a, a glowing report on Cohen. And then Robinson talks in the story about how he's you know learning NFL concepts and actually running routes. And you read this and I said it's just a, a perfect recruiting pitch to wide receivers. That was a great story. Yeah, how um, you know the the, the pitch to Wandale when Cohen met with him and was able to was just exclusively about that role that Cooper Cup had with the Rams offense. And it seems like he really built a lot of trust with Wandale, um, who had a bad experience at Nebraska. You know, you get sold on being part of an offense that was more explosive than Kentucky, supposedly, and then they stick you in the backfield and make you run between the tackles and chip block people in the backfield, you know. Um, but I think it was interesting at the end of the story, um, he, he quoted Cohen as saying, but there's enough trust there that if it was a game game on the line situation, he thinks Wandale would go into the backfield and do whatever he has to do. But but the quality of touches over the quantity of touches um, is what stuck with me from that piece. One of the things that uh, you do at uh, your site each week is after the game, get the hot takes from fans, and uh, that's up at CatsIllustrated.com. Anything that's uh, surprised you at all about uh, what you're hearing from Kentucky fans right now? Well, I mean, I had people saying eleven and one the first and second week of the season, and I remember kind of, kind of <laughs> scoffing at that. And uh, you know, I picked nine and three before the season, but that you know they're in a position to get there. And I think those takes that seemed like way too hot at the beginning of the season, it's just funny that, that that's where they are right now. I did see a number of people make an interesting case and say the Tennessee and Mississippi State games are more important than the Georgia game, and I think that that's. That's the result of a logic that maybe they're conceding this weekend's game, and I just don't think it's it's fair to do that. They've earned this game, they've earned the atmosphere, they've earned the hype, and if you know something does happen, it could really change the program forever. Yeah, I think uh, Stoops has built this to the uh, level and brought kids in, and you know players don't have all the history that that fans do with a any program, so. Uh, I don't think any of the players look at it that way. I think they genuinely believe they can can win this, and uh, they believe they belong here. That's right. Yeah, you know, as, as an outsider, it, it's I'll admit that you know when you, when you see what Georgia did to Arkansas, thirty-seven to nothing, you know, it, it's I want to say it's a little bit of a buzzkill, but it's you know, <laughs> it, it, it's it's a grounding in reality. Um, yes, but games are shaped by one or two or three plays and you just don't know how those things are going to go early in the game you pick off a pass early you never know what the next chain of events is going to be so that's why they play them indeed let's shift to a little basketball um there's a, a story up for uh, subscribers from uh david sisk the uh the, the coach that uh does a lot of recruiting work for you guys, but he also had some interesting observations from Kentucky's Pro Day. Headline talks about Toronto's dribble drive on steroids evident at Kentucky's Pro Day. Elaborate on that a little bit for us. Yeah, well, Calipari has talked about going to to meet with Nick Nurse of Toronto and just the, this dribble drive on steroids kind of basketball. And so David looked at uh, kind of the pitch series that, that they'll run in a half court and just what Kentucky was doing in that pro day, and he, he anticipates some tweaks. It's not going to be like a wholesale change, and we know that Calipari stays pretty flexible in terms of you know figuring out as the season goes along and then settling into something come March, but, but it does look like that Cal has some, some things that he's interested in bringing in from, from that Toronto concept. The buzz seems to be for UCLA on the Adembona recruitment. Uh, is there time for Cal to change that? Yeah, not a, you know... 
I think our guys Travis Graff and, and David Fisk have heard UCLA recently, but it's not one of those things where, like, that. it's for sure that's where he's going. I think what they've done is they. this is normally what we hear when it seems like a guy's going to Kentucky. There's kind of a little bit of anticipation, and, and word starts to get out, and that just hasn't happened this time. And I think... I think there's a lot of uncertainty still. I think Kentucky still still doesn't know, and I think UCLA still doesn't know. There's kind of some tea leaf reading going on, so I don't think it's over by any stretch, but, but that is the recent chatter. Let's get back to Kentucky and Georgia in the matchup on Saturday. Uh, who are the guys, uh, one or two guys, give me, that would will have a big game if Kentucky wins this? Wandale and, and Chris Rodriguez. I mean, they, there might not be a team in the country – that relies more on two guys than those two. I mean, you're talking about the, the, the leading receiver and the leading rusher in SEC play. And, you know, Georgia doesn't create a lot of explosive plays, and Kentucky uh, is good at stopping them. And explosive plays, Bill Connolly a few years ago found, are, are even a bigger determiner of the game's outcome than turnovers uh, a lot of the time. So if you have two of the best skill players in the SEC – if there are communication issues on the back end, or if you break some tackles, or you know if Georgia, ha- you know, lets their guard down a little bit, those explosives can be an equalizer, and Kentucky has to have several of them. It would seem that uh, for Kentucky, uh, we've talked about the way Georgia plays defensively, and they rely heavily on that uh, front four. That the way you maybe find your way to an explosive, it's if a huge if if you can have some success running the football to where they have to bring you know a little more help into the box then that maybe creates an opportunity for Wandale but you know saying that and then actually going out and having success running the football in that defense are two very different things but Georgia's going to know that they that they played a, a, a tough team you know Kirby Smart talks about how physical they are and he's not blowing smoke he's talked about that for the last 5 years and this has been strength on strength for a long time now and it's basically been meet in the middle. I think Kentucky's had 139, 138, and 160 rushing yards on Georgia the last couple of years, which is better than other teams are doing for the most part. And that, that's without any threat of balance or the pass. And so I think there are some reasons for hope, but there's just a razor-thin margin for error. There can't, like every deep ball that could be caught is going to have to be caught. So, you know, get on the edge of your seat, but, but it's going to be a tall order. Yeah, a game like this, you you know, you're not going to get many chances to have the perfect play drawn up or uh, get a guy you know behind a defense or or somebody makes bust an assignment. If you get one or two or three of those, you have to hit them. Yeah, that's right. You know, a lot of things are going to have to go their way, but these things happen. I mean, we've seen we've seen crazy things happen th- this season to date, and I think you know the difference for some people is that Georgia just seems to be this, this almost feels like four decades coming for them just this season but this is and this is why Sanford Stadium is going to be so electric everybody knows this is the one game they can't afford to lose because if they lose they run the risk of being held out of the SEC championship game which would put even the playoffs in doubt yeah very true thank you Justin thanks a lot you can read uh, his work and his teams at catsillustrated.com as we head to the break ahead of a visit with Van Hiles a couple of honors for UK offensive linemen Eli Cox, named to the midseason All-America team by ESPN.com. And Pro Football Focus, or excuse me, on three sports, named Darian Kennard to its midseason All-America team. Van Hiles will join us when we come right back. It's the Leach Report, and we are served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington and Hamburg and Palomar. 
Look for the Leach Report on Facebook. Show updates, contests, and other cool stuff. Check it out today. Thursday edition of the Leach Report, served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. And Van Hiles joins us now, former Wildcat, former NFL player, and uh, you... See at vstyle17 on Twitter all the breakdowns each week after a Kentucky game. Man, I know you've been studying this matchup for uh, a while now. What's what's the script for Kentucky to have a shot to take down the number one team in the land? That's a good question. Uh, I feel like we we have to take advantage of the uh, the tight ends on the linebackers, the running back on the linebackers, and it's interesting that Georgia doesn't run as much man as they have in the past. I don't think they have complete confidence in the corner. Corners, so they run a lot of too high man under. So our receivers are going to have a chance to get into routes because they, they're not pressing as much as they have in the past. So it's going to be interesting to see how Coach Coleman, um attacks this defense. Is he going to try to do the pass open up the run or going to do our our usual and try to do the run open up the pass? They uh, are exceptional at uh, pressuring quarterbacks, and they don't do it with a lot of blitzes, right? Right. They, well, when you have two of the best outside linebackers, uh, pass rushers in the league, <laughs> you don't you don't have to to create blitzes and matchups because those guys are incredible. The thing I like about our offense is we take the ball under the center a lot, and they're not used to that. That's something that we could possibly use to our advantage with. Plaction fakes because the, the 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 look is different from someone running RPO. So it's going to be interesting to see how Georgia match up with us too because this is the first time they will actually face a an offense that's more of a traditional take the snap on the center about more than fifty percent of the time. Interesting. That's a good point. Um, do you think Kentucky will be able to have some success running the ball against them? I think so, and my reason is that. They haven't faced an offensive line as good as ours. And when we go into 12 package with Riggs and and Bates as tight ends, we have done very well against um, some pretty good defenses with, with that package. I think there's something there. Jordan Davis is a beast, but if we can get him to have to move consistently, he's a great athlete even when he moves, but to have him move consistently – it's something that he hasn't had to do with the wide zone action that we use. That might be something that can give them a little bit of an issue. We're not going to rush the ball for 300-plus yards. Just, that, just take that off the table. But <laughs> if we can rush for over 150, get to the 180 range, I think that will make it a, a real close game because that means we are keeping the clock rolling and the time of possession should be in our hands. Let's. We talked so much about Georgia's defense. On the offensive side, uh, give me your take on that matchup with Kentucky's defense against uh, Stetson Bennett, most likely in the Georgia offense. My concern with our defense is the defensive line. And not that we don't have bodies. I want to see how my man Anwar does with moving that line around with the injuries that we have. Are we going to run more 3-4 under where we don't have a true zero nose tackle? We have more of a one technique and a two to three technique on the other side because Rogers and Josiah doesn't have quite the girth that Bully and, and Q had in the past. So I wonder if we're going to go to more of a three, four under and then put Pascal into the boundary because the boundary has been hurting us when Ox went down. It's going to be interesting how he shuffled those guys around. The thing about it is that 
their receivers are going through issues that our defensive line is going through. They have a lot of injuries, and and I think we can hold up in the secondary. We gotta force them to pass the ball. That's the key. It's like last year. I think Stetson threw two interceptions to us. We gotta get turnovers, and we gotta make them one dimensional as much as possible. You know, you're talking about the different scheme schematic things they could do defensively. I remember Stoops' first year here. They played uh, Louisville and were outmanned at that time. I think Charlie Strong was still there. and um, But Kentucky changed its defensive plan within that week. They were a 4-3 team, I believe, at that point and uh, put in some 3-4 looks for that just for that week and uh, threw Louisville for a curve for about a half, and then they adjusted, and, and uh, they were able to, to win the game. But point being is that, you know, these guys are, and now Brad White is his DC uh, at, at a uh, at a high level in terms of uh, the defensive coaching and what they could do, and they have a group of a senior dominated group that can handle a lot. So that gives you a chance to maybe you know work in some some curves that you wouldn't be able to 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 use maybe with a much younger team. Yeah, I, I think with the the experience at linebacker, maybe we do some more stunts. Maybe we slant some much. Um, much more. Maybe we do some more twists. There, or maybe we do some more run blitz. Like we started off the year doing a lot of run blitz. Maybe there are ways to combat the issues for the D line. The only issue with that is you got to execute a hundred percent. We can't have one guy going to the wrong gap if we're going to run blitz a lot. If we're going to slant a lot, guys have to handle their job. There are ways to combat it. And like you said, our staff is is astute enough to figure out a way to mask the inefficiencies or the deficiencies that we might have as we bring in maybe Khalil Saunders as a freshman, which is kind of, it's a, it's a new day when you go in the SEC and play in Athens against Georgia for quote unquote the, the control of the SEC East. They can mask him a little bit if he has to play 10 to 12 plays. Um, I think it's there. I think there's opportunities. It's going to be interesting to see how, how that, that chess match is, is played out on Saturday. I remember, um, looking at some of your stuff on Twitter after the Chattanooga game. There was one play in particular, I think, where they busted a big run, and Kentucky had their two linebackers in the same gap. So there were there were assignment breakdowns and uh, you know uh, some undisciplined things that they, they did that got them burned. And the next week, cleaned all that up, and it, it seemed, I know Stoops felt it was one of their best defensive performances uh, since he's been here down at South Carolina, followed up with a similar performance against Florida. Um, I know you, th- you thought maybe it, uh, from what I could tell on your Twitter feed, it slipped a little bit in the second half last week. Yeah, well, it's it's the hardest thing as a corner and as a secondary is is to not try to hunt down big plays when you're up a lot because you know they're going to pass, and now you kind of lose your discipline because now, okay, they're going to pass, and now this is my chance to get an interception. And in the back half, we had some breakdowns, and – for us, we haven't given up, I don't think, more than one 20-plus yard play in, in a game prior to LSU, and we gave up too many of those. But I think that was just mental errors. I, I think that would get cleaned up just like you said. We have stacked two and a half great games on defense as far as alignment assignment. I think this game in Athens, with hearing all – there's nothing better as a defense than to hear all this these, this accolades going to the other team's defense. It's like, yeah. so what about us? We are <laughs> – uh, we are ranked just as not number one, but we're ranked in the top ten. So where is our our adulation? So now I think those guys are going to become more focused 
probably more focused than they came in the South Carolina game. Yeah, and there could be, you know, you've got to fight the tendency uh, to want to do a little something extra to make that big play to upset the number one team in the country. But I think the experience that they have on defense will uh, help them fight that that uh, urge that might pop up to make sure it's just do your job, right? Yeah, that, the Chattanooga game humbled them. That that was It was great we had that game early, and it was great we had that game against a, a team that we should beat easily. And I think that really humbled that, that side of the ball. And I think since then, they have dedicated themselves to film study. Like when Jordan Wright intercepted the ball to Florida, he said, I watched film, I knew that's going to run that play. And like how Pascal did last week with one of the best plays I've seen in a while on the jet sweep, and he didn't get fooled. Like those things are, are mental things that they are dialed in as far as watching film and, and diagnosing what the team that they're playing likes to run. So I, I like that as a defense because that was my thing. Let me compete with my mind, too. And I think with, with that, they are getting into gelling more of a defense. And maybe they might be having team meetings with the defensive players, without the coaches, and let's watch some film together because they are, they are in a groove right now defensively. At V-Style 17 to uh, get uh, the kind of insight that we're talking about here today. Thank you, Van. Enjoy the game. No problem. Appreciate it. Final segment of the Leach Report for a Thursday when we come right back. Final segment of our Thursday show. This day in Wildcat history, 1950 was the first 300-yard passing day for Kentucky football. Babe Perilli threw for 338 against Cincinnati. The next one didn't come for 35 years with uh, Bill Ranstow. Obviously, uh, college football kind of was uh, very run-oriented uh, until we kind of got into the, the 90s. Um, but um, been several of them. Uh, starting in the 90s at Kentucky, uh, and, of course, Will Levis had one to start this season. Lynn Bowden celebrating a birthday today, so happy birthday to the former Wildcats star. Don't forget, our show moves to 8 a.m. Eastern, 7 Central, starting Monday, as uh, KSR is going to expand with uh, Shannon and uh, Billy uh, doing the first hour, and so that'll be uh, in our normal slot. So we'll be moving the Leach Report up an hour to 8 a.m. Eastern, 7 Central. So work that into your plans, and you always find the podcast, too. And we'll see you tomorrow on the Leach Report, served up by Wild Eggs. Make sure you check out the podcast page at TomLeachKY.com whenever you miss a show.